How we all doing? The Grand Old Podcast is back to absolutely assume that Eddie Howe is our new manager and he's going to dominate Scottish football for years to come. But who is our certain next gaffer? Why is he loved at Bournemouth? And why are so many people doing him a disservice? Well, it's time for you to find out. Right, at times there have been a shortage of things to talk about on this show this season. Those were mainly the weeks when we decided not to do a podcast at all. But even some of the other weeks, it's been a bit of a tough job to try and find exciting things to discuss. Well, delighted to announce that we do not have a similar problem this week. Paul, how's it going? I'm great, Hamish, how are you? Not bad, not bad at all. I'm um, resplendent and I think the, the sun, I'm looking outside and it's maybe a wee bit windy, but the sun is back Spring is here, we're into April now, things that we touched on in last podcast about lockdown potentially lifting, I've had a haircut, I got one yesterday, and the big news of course is that the future of Celtic seems to be pretty positive, Eddie Howe is uh, seemingly going to be the new Celtic manager, so much has happened since we last recorded, I should point out there's no John McGinley once again, um, but don't get too worried about John. Um, after having a bit of annual leave, the reason now for him not being on is that his uh, microphone decided to to pack it in the other day, just when we were about to record. So yeah, John's not with us, but I believe he has ordered a new mic, so we should have him on the next show. But for now, it's just me and Paul, the Ayrshire duo, back again. And as I say, we do have so much positivity to chat about. It's been a, a hectic few days, Paul, hasn't it? Yes, it's been it's been quite something. Um, a, a bit of a Eddie Howe roller coaster, shall we say? Ups and downs of of when he's going to be announced, what's going to happen, who's he bringing in with him. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll go through all that kind of stuff. But I think, barring any major disasters, he's going to be Celtic's next manager. And I think going back to maybe six months ago, if you'd have, if you'd have said that to to me, you or, or John, then I think each one of us would have been delighted. So it's it's one of these. It has the, the Brendan Rodgers air of excitement and expectation about it. Um, one of these big up-and-coming, very successful managers who knows how to, to win games, knows how to, to lead his team to top the table and um, knows how to win trophies, which is an important thing. You're always worried in these situations of going all out, all in to use the, the North Curves expression on Eddie Howe and then being made to look a bit daft in a few days' time when... He's been paraded at St James's Park or Selhurst Park as, as their new manager. But uh, I do think that it seems like Eddie Howe's going to be our next manager. Um, I know there's been, what would the phrase be? Uh, what was the Tom English phrase? Bedwetting over the last couple of days, maybe from, from some Celtic fans. Um, maybe just getting more worried about the lack of news, perhaps suggesting that Howe, for whatever reason, is going to knock us back. But I think it's important to, to say that all the media reports we've had and you know there's been numerous every single day for for the last four or five days all of them have suggested that Eddie Howe will be Celtic's new manager that nothing has gone wrong at this stage and I think it's important to just emphasize the fact that as far as we're concerned um and me especially and John who you know have 
um, you know, work in the, the Celtic environment and we, we basically see everything that's said about the club, good or bad. Um, it does seem like Eddie Howe's going to be our next manager and it's massively positive news. I, I just think it's going to be an outstanding Celtic appointment. You look at the appointments we've made in the 21st century, uh, Brendan Rodgers and Martin O'Neill undoubtedly were the two biggest ones at the time and we went on to, to have the two best Celtic teams of the 21st century under those two. This may be controversial, but I think Eddie Howe is every bit as spectacular an appointment as both Rodgers and O'Neill. Um, he may not have achieved quite as much as Rodgers had. I can't really speak for O'Neill because I wasn't around. Rodgers had managed Liverpool. Eddie Howe has never managed that size of club. But I think when you look at the reputations of the managers, I think Eddie Howe is in the same league as those two. And I genuinely believe if we appoint Eddie Howe, it's going to be a, a game changer. And I think we could go on to have, you know, the next the next decade could be another really good time to be a Celtic fan. There's an air of, of expectation. Um, there's also an air of kind of, this, this is something new and, and, and positive. Obviously, we've had kind of two seasons of, of Neil Lennon and the majority of that time has been a bit mundane. There's been a bit of kind of malaise and, and there's nothing really been too exciting. Um, I know that we've obviously won trophies and we've kind of staggered our way to the, the Scottish Cup, but this this does, I think, the, the three managers, the way that the, the kind of appointments were made, if you remember back to Martin O'Neill's and his his famous interviews on the on the, the steps of Celtic Park saying that he's going to do everything in his power to, to bring success back to the club and, and he managed it with a treble. And Brendan Rogers and just how many fans were in the stadium. We all we obviously know how it all ended and all that kind of stuff and, and people still have their reservations and I think with time that'll that'll kinda of ease, but you, you can't neglect the, the fact that he brought massive success to, to the club straight away. Um there was the Obviously, the derby wins, the trophy wins, and the kind of just the, the run of form and, and the performances that the club uh, and the players put out there for, for the fans to see. And I, I think you're right in saying that it's not they're not too different in terms of where they are. I know there's the one thing, and I think it's I've seen it everywhere that that rival fans are, are using to beat Eddie Howe with is that he's never managed a I say big club like you say that in inverted commas, but. I think to the fact that he's managed in a, a in a Premier League environment, taking Bournemouth to where he did take them from pretty much obscurity of nothing to being expected to remain in the Premier League um, when you've got the, the players that they're, they're coming up against. And, and he had some, some really famous wins in that time. So I think with uh, having a big budget in, in, a, in a smaller league will, will suit him perfectly. I think he knows the the English transfer market more than most. He will he will have his own kind of players, coaching staff that he'll want to bring in with him. And I think the the way that everything is is kind of lined up, it's what we've been talking about for a while, with the way that everything is kind of falling into place with the director of football and the new chief exec and all that kind of stuff. It just seems like everything is is slowly but surely changing and, and all in a positive way. Yeah, I mean, when Brendan Rodgers came to the club, Celtic fans were... Jubilant. I was one of the, I think, 12 or 13,000 that went down to Celtic Park that roasting hot uh, May. It would have been um, that May afternoon and, you know, the place was buoyant and you really had a feeling that things were about to change from the Ronnie Dyla era to the Brendan Rodgers era. 
there won't be the same numbers that go and see Eddie Howe, but I do get the same kind of feeling of this is a massive game change and appointment for us. You're right, there's those detractors, um, mainly from across the city, maybe some down south. I've not seen too many that just point to the fact he's never managed Bournemouth and he won't be able to handle the pressure. And also the fact that his ill-fated couple of years at Burnley, as some people are making out. But just on on the, the aspect of pressure, a, a quote from, from Eddie Howe, I'm, I've been doing a lot of kind of reading up on Eddie Howe. I'm quite obsessed with the situation and came across quite an interesting quote from his time at Bournemouth. I think it was when they were in the championship, uh, at the top of the championship, about to win promotion to the Premier League. And Howe said, a lot of people talk about pressure at the top. But for me, you won't find any more pressure than being at the bottom, scrapping for points. I think that's something people have kind of lost in this whole debate, that the feeling that Eddie Howe was managing those, whatever it was, 10 years at Bournemouth with absolutely no pressure on him at all. And I just think that's nonsense. There is not a single football club and a single football manager that operates in that environment with no pressure at all. They weren't going into games in the Premier League or the Championship at Bournemouth thinking, ah, if we lose, we lose, it doesn't matter. And I think it's disingenuous, to use a Dermot Desmond phrase, to suggest that Eddie Howe was was a guy who had, or is a guy who hasn't had to deal with any pressure in his career so far. Um, he's had to deal with plenty and plenty of pressure. Getting Bournemouth into the Premier League, winning a league when they were in a promising position was huge pressure. Staying in the Premier League for, I think, four seasons in a row before they eventually were relegated, huge pressure again. Um, you know, huge league, huge media um, spotlight on Eddie Howe at all times. It may not be quite as big as at Celtic, and the pressure may not be quite as big at Celtic, but for me to suggest, or for people to suggest, Eddie Howe has had no pressure in his career so far, and he's going to come up to Glasgow and he's going to be shocked by all the you know, the eyes that are on him and all the pressure of winning games. I'm just not having that that line of thought. I think a lot of people forget, like especially north of the border and, and you say across the city, that the championship is is one of the one of the toughest leagues to get out of. Like it's it's really there's a lot a lot of teams in that league and um, there's a lot of talent kicking about. It's, it's usually it's a breeding ground for for the young Premiership stars of the future that are coming through. There's a lot of people out on loan there and and to string a season together when you're up against twenty three other teams and and come out on top of that with the the financial burden that getting promoted to the English Premier League brings is. Up there with the most pressure, I think a manager could probably come under, and and the fact that he did it, like obviously, I think it was the second season they were in the championship. They managed to get yeah, they just missed out in the playoffs in the first season, and the second season. You rightly point out they won the league. They didn't just yeah. you know, come up via the playoffs. They won the league. Yeah, and 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 that's that's the big thing for me because I think the they they come through the leagues, League Two, League One, and I think each time. The first two promotions, they didn't win the, the title, but to, to win the championship title and then to consolidate it with not just one or two seasons, but with four and the and the Premier League with, with a club of their size and stature, you know, they're, they're really small compared to, to your Man United's and your Chelsea's and your Arsenal's of uh, of that league. So there's there's no there's no doubt in my mind that that he's a man that can can handle the pressure and he knows his way. Inside a inside a football um, a match, he's he's a pretty much 
one of these new breed master tacticians. I think looking at the videos that have been floating about, he knows what he's talking about in terms of, of tactics in a game. And I think the Scotland will be a new challenge for him. There'll be the added pressure of European qualification. European football is something that is maybe new to him, but I think that's something that he'll he'll relish. And coming up against the top English teams that are constantly on the European front, like that that gives an experience that that some other managers maybe wouldn't have. You could say that you could bring in somebody like Roy Keane was probably the other name that was was mentioned the most. Um, Roy Keane has no managerial experience in, in Europe, but he has played in games and, and managed games against teams that have. So I, I don't think that's a big worry for me. I think he will be able to adapt the style to, to who we're playing against in Europe. And we spoke about it in the last podcast. It's not going to be an easy thing to qualify for the Champions League. But I think if he's brought in and he has the time to, to kind of bed in his own players, uh, get the coaching staff involved and, and kind of really ramp it up and, and in time for those first qualifiers, then then we have a real chance. Um, it's it's obviously something that Celtic fans have been have been missing out on over the past number of seasons is is that Champions League group stage. But we've we've held our own in the Europa League groups. We've managed a few very decent wins, and if we're then Europa League again under under how who's to say that we don't go on a on a nice run? Because I think he has the the tactical nose to to kind of push us push us on a level than when we've been. Yeah, he doesn't have the European experience. Uh, Brendan Rodgers, I, I dare say, would have. Um, I think he was in the Champions League with Liverpool. So that is something that, that Howe doesn't have, just looking at the facts. But yeah, if you look at the English Premier League, certainly the top teams in the English Premier League nowadays, it, it is almost a European Super League, just not a name. I mean, if you look at the managers, Klopp, Guardiola, um, you know, Mourinho, um, Tuchel, numerous other managers, different ways of playing. It's it's very much the the best of Europe nowadays. You've got Spanish manager, you know Guardiola. You've got the, the best German manager probably at the moment. So I'm not fearful at all about the European stage. Um, he's meticulous, isn't he, Eddie Howe? And it seems like he, for some of the interviews that that we've probably all seen, that he dedicates his life to football. Um, at the expense of his family, and I think he openly admitted that in the the Gary Lineker um, interview that that most of you have probably seen that he he spends too much time at the football ground. He gets there at half six in the morning. He spends hours and hours there, far more hours than he should. And even when he gets home, he probably doesn't give enough time to his, his kids and his wife because he's he's too busy thinking about football. Now you may have your own viewpoints on putting your work before your life, but from a Celtic fan's point of view, that's that's absolutely brilliant to see because the one thing I think we've been crying out for after seeing the shambles of a season and the way the way things seem to happen at Celtic this season, we want that dedication back. We want a manager who's going to give his all to scouting teams and perfecting tactics that can get the best out of teams. Um, it's what we had under Brendan Rodgers and for whatever reason we haven't had it this season under Neil Lennon. Perhaps it's as simple as saying that Eddie Howe devotes his life more to football than Neil Lennon does. Rather than making a comparison between Howe and Lennon, I just want to quickly touch on the Howe and Rogers stuff. You may or may not know this, but Eddie Howe actually went to to see slash work under Brendan Rogers when Howe, I think, was at Burnley and Rogers was at Swansea. 
Um, so the two of them have quite a good relationship. I'd be surprised if Howe actually hadn't consulted Rodgers about a move to Celtic. And also, as I was kind of touching on earlier, I think there's there's almost an argument that, for me anyway, that Eddie Howe is, is almost more highly regarded than Brendan Rodgers was when he came to Celtic. Now, I know Rodgers now is definitely one of the elite managers in Britain, but when he came to Celtic, there was a lot of scepticism from the English media um, about... You know, remember the deluded Brendan account? And he was kind of a bit of a joke figure at times, Brendan Rodgers. Eddie House certainly isn't that in any ways. I would say Eddie House probably more respected than Rodgers was when he came to Celtic. I just, I can't talk highly enough of, you know, how excited I am for, for what we're going to see with Eddie Howe coming to the club. The, the way that, that Rodgers' career at, um, at Liverpool kind of dwindled away and finished is... It's probably the, the way that he's remembered, not the fact that he took that team like within inches of winning the league title. If they'd won the league title, it's a completely different story. But the fact that they fell at the last hurdle, um, his stepping stone to rebuilding his reputation and his managerial career was at Celtic. And I, I, I feel like there is a, a, an essence of that way with how coming up to, to Scotland that he's either been. I, I don't doubt that there's been Premiership or English Premier League jobs available to him. And for whatever reason, he hasn't taken them because I think his his um, further like his expectations further down the line and, and his plans will be higher than say Crystal Palace or Newcastle. You probably think. look at Rodgers and see what Rodgers did. He came to Celtic and then jumped into what a top, a top six English club. I, I think that's 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 the way you're looking at it. And I think Celtic fans have to be realistic as well. Under the the, the I'm not under the expectation that, that Eddie Howe is going to be here for any more than maybe three or four years. I think that's the that's the probably the, the way that we can look at it is that it'll be a longish term. Uh, I, th- I think transfer of, of manager, I think we will probably be his stepping stone to, a, 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 well, that's what he'll be hoping to, an elite level club in England, whether, whether it is one of your top six sides. But I think that one of the key factors is that a lot of people... Um, Kind of disregard this. English managers in general don't really get a, a good write up. There's there's not a huge amount of them. When you look at the kind of top managers in the Premier League just now, the majority of them are foreign. Um, you know, David Moyes obviously doing really well, but there's not a huge amount of English managers, and I, I think how bucks that trend to an extent. So there will be a lot of um, once once he once he signs in the dotted line and and he starts the ball rolling at Celtic, I think. People in England will take a lot more notice of Celtic, of the league, of of him uh, as a manager as well, because they, they may be dismissive of the fact that it is only Bournemouth that he has managed. But once he starts getting results and starts hopefully winning trophies, then people will go, well, well, maybe he has got something. Maybe he has got something to offer a bigger club, and and who knows where that that could lead to him. But I think it's it's important that we remain kind of grounded in the fact that we're not going to have him for a decade. I think it's gone are the days of managers staying past four seasons really uh, there's there's very few exceptions to that rule I think Derek McInnes has been the kind of only one recently in, in the Scottish Premier League and I can't think off the top of my head any in the, the English Premier League maybe Klopp is your kind of your main outlier to that um, so I hope that, that obviously he'll have a plan to come in with and, and, and decide that right, this is what I want to do and I'm sure once he's announced he'll, he'll outline his kind of Hopes and, and dreams for for Celtic, but I'm I'm st- I'm trying to remain kind of not negative, but just kind of on defence because I don't want to let my 
I don't really let myself let it run away with me that, that he's going to come in and he's going to do this, this, and then the next thing. I, yeah. I, have, I have huge, huge hopes, but I just want to keep grounded slightly uh, and hope. You're, you're, you're doing a good job with it, mate. I mean, we've just we've just pretty much signed Eddie Howe in for four years at Celtic and he's not even been appointed yet. There'll be, there'll be, folk, there'll be folk just laughing at how presumptuous we are being in this. Um, I should just qualify it, and I did a little bit at the start, that it hasn't been confirmed yet and we are aware of all this, but... Um, you know, from from the various reports that that we've seen, it does seem like a, a matter of time before Eddie Howe is a manager. So, apologise, or we will apologise if if we kind of go off a bit um, on one. Um, I think if Eddie Howe does commit to a few good years at Celtic and then does move on, um, as long as he didn't do it akin to Brendan Rodgers in the middle of a season, a few days before, you know, a huge double header or whatever, I think Celtic fans in general would accept that but also I think Celtic now have to put in better um, practices into place and a better structure behind the manager so that we're not quite as dependent on the manager. Um, Obviously the the talk is we're going to bring in a director of football. Richard Hughes who's worked with Eddie Howe has been mentioned although the report in the Sun last night seemed to kind of suggest in a roundabout way that we could have Hughes maybe as a recruitment director and also get Fergal Harkin in as a director of football. Obviously Dominic Mackay um, coming into the club as well. Uh, We'll touch on him at the end of the, the episode but I think it's all about putting the right kind of processes into place and having the right stuff going on in the background so that if Eddie Howe does have a few seasons, does well, gets headhunted for a club down south, we can kind of move on from that and certainly do a much better job than than what happened last time when Brendan Rodgers left the club, maybe not overnight, but over time the club just eroded under Neil Lennon. La mattina mi sono alzato bella ciao bella ciao Right, I just want to um, give you a wee brief history of Eddie Howe. Um, I won't take too long. The emphasis is on the word brief, although we'll see how it goes. Um, I just want to pay thanks to Peter Bell's book, Eddie Had a Dream, uh, which charts the journey of Howe as a player and a manager. I've been reading this over uh, the last three or four days, basically since the reports first came out, I think on Thursday afternoon. Um, and I've not quite finished it yet, but I've summarised the main findings from it, just to give you a, a quick uh, talk through or a walk through of, of Eddie Howe's career as a, a player and a manager. So he was a centre-back. He was a pretty small centre-back at five feet ten, Uh, He had a steady career in the lower leagues of English football, pretty much entirely for Bournemouth. His career was ended by a couple of knee injuries. The first one came in his debut for Portsmouth after a £400,000 move in 2002. He was actually Harry Redknapp's first signing for Pompey. So he missed a year after that first injury sustained in his debut. Then he returned for Pompey again, but only made it nine further minutes before a relapse occurred. So not very lucky. Howe ended up back at Bournemouth and played around about 50 more times, but it was always an uphill battle. Think about John Kennedy 
quite similar in, in the way that they sustained uh, an injury, kind of hobbled on, tried to, to have surgery, tried to get their career back on the road, but it was always a, a losing battle for them. And there's actually a fair few similarities between Howe and Kennedy. Uh, both suffered knee injuries that ended their careers in their early to mid-20s. In fact, they actually both saw the same specialist knee surgeon, Dr. Richard Steadman, in Colorado. So maybe that's something they can have a wee chat about if the two of them end up at Celtic together. So then Howe's move into management. He was made reserve boss at Bournemouth at first, um, but he lost his job when Kevin Bond was sacked. Howe was then brought in nine days later as a youth coach. Basically, he was in the right place at the right time to become Bournemouth manager on the final day of 2008. He saved the Cherries from relegation out of the Football League that first season despite a 17-point penalty and he then miraculously got them promoted the next season despite having a transfer embargo in place. How then departed for Burnley and as I say that's something I want to touch it on in a wee minute. Um, but he then returned to Bournemouth for a second stint at as boss, and that's when everything kind of happened for him. He returned to Bournemouth on or in October 2012, so I think around the same time we were beating Barcelona. He took them up to the Championship as runners-up in his first season back, then 10th in the Championship in his first season there, won the league the following year, and spent five years in the Premier League, and his finishes in order were 16th, 9th, 12th, 14th and then 18th which was relegation in his final season so 9th in the Premier League was the highest he took them to he's worked with Jason Tindall who he played with for his entire managerial career including at Burnley Tindall's currently at Sheffield United as a coach after succeeding Howe as Bournemouth boss um, when he left so could Jason Tindall be tempted back to be house number two after being a manager. We'll wait and see how that one plays out. I think that's an interesting one to to look at. But he's um, he's had a, a fairly successful career, Paul, as we've touched on. A, a lot of good points there, some bad points as well, a few bad results that he's been able to get over. But his, his CV kind of speaks for itself. Yeah, I, I think the main thing with that is that we probably haven't covered in, in ter- general terms of the chat is the, the mental strength that you would have to have to overcome the injury and not let let that kind of ruin his his kind of relationship with football to, to be injured so young and and to, to battle on and, and that and I hadn't heard the the fact that he was injured come back for a, after a year and then nine minutes only lasted nine minutes to, to have a relapse that, that is something that you would need to be incredibly strong to, to kind of deal with the fact that you're on the sidelines for for a whole year trying to rehab and trying to come back from from an injury. Um, me and you both know as as kind of as runners how how de- de- debilitating an injury can be, and how tricky it is. And that we're not anywhere near professional level. And the fact that that is your your job, that you focus on that, and you get to the stage where you're ready to come back, and then for it to, to last um, mere minutes is is a crucial is a cruel blow really. And for him to be able to kind of fight on from there and to to channel the probably the lot of negative energy that he would have to. To move into coaching and and work his way up to, to kind of manager level is is quite phenomenal. And um, I'll let you mention the Burnley stuff, but the fact that he would after the Burnley kind of saga, he could come back to Bournemouth and, and have the success that he did was was quite good as well. 
Yeah, as you say, he's, he's had to to go through a fair bit of troubles with injury and there was a, a kind of probably even harder thing, certainly an even harder thing to come through that we'll touch on in a wee second. But um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to mention the fact that, you know, the, the time he spent at, at Bournemouth and, and as I said, getting up to, to ninth in, in the Premier League was a great achievement. And I think I'm right in saying that, that how he's even credited his obsession with becoming a good manager due to the fact that his playing career never allowed him to get to the, the highest level he felt he could be as a player. He was clearly not a bad centre-back if Portsmouth under Harry Redknapp paid £400,000 for him at the, the start of the millennium. Um, so he may have gone on to be a, a good Premier League centre-back for, for them um, had he not had those injuries. But um, I think the fact that he struggled with those injuries so much and wasn't able to fulfil his potential has meant that he's wanted to give so much to, to certainly fulfilling his potential as a manager. Right, on to the, the Burnley spell. He spent 21 months in total at Turf Moor, took them to eighth in the Championship the first season and then 13th the second they were then 16th in his third season when he left the club uh, but how says ultimately the reason I decided to leave was the death of my mum and that's the change that brought me back home so I don't want to go too deep in this because it's it's something that will be very personal to to Eddie Howe and something that that is a I dare say an, an extremely difficult thing to go through but I do feel like uh, the the perception that he was such a failure at Burnley is is very unkind to Eddie Howe when you factor in this this knowledge that he, he lost his mum again. I would assume at a, a fairly young age, um, and he was forced to leave Burnley for that reason. They were still keen to to keep him on, and he actually went down from the Championship to League One to go back to Bournemouth so he could be closer to home. So I just think people need to keep that in their mind when they're judging his time at Burnley, the fact that uh, he had to deal with such a, a tragic circumstance. Um, but in terms of the actual results, Burnley, I think, had just been in the Premier League. They'd just been relegated. Um, and he was tasked with a guy who could come in and kind of refurb the squad, get some of the high earners off the, the wage bill and, and kind of build a new club. But he took them to eighth in his first season and 13th in his second. I mean, some of the reaction you hear from people, you would be forgiven for thinking he was, you know, fighting relegation, finishing 20th each season for Burnley. I feel like it's it's a bit unfair on him. Yeah, I, I think without living through the season, I think it's difficult to kind of to yeah. understand. It's it, it's one of these things, um, as I mentioned before, championships, notoriously difficult league, and especially for the teams that come down from the Premier League, how often do you see somebody bounce back up and go straight straight up again with promotion? It doesn't happen very often, does it? And the fact that if you finish eighth, that's just outside the playoffs again. Um, it's not as if he's going to be. It's not as if they were they were anywhere near the relegation battle. Even at thirteenth, you're nowhere near that. Um, it's it's unfair to to judge him on on two seasons. I think of completely different completely different circumstances from from Bournemouth and. Um, I actually think the, the the first season at Bournemouth when he's he's taken them from the, the points deficit that they had to remain in the league is is a huge thing. I would say some would argue that that's easier to do because the opposition the, the opposition you're playing against isn't as good. But um, to the, to have the resolve to to manage a team to to kind of rally them round, basically rally the troops and and get them fighting for for that position because 
again, as hard as it is from to get promotion back to the Premier League after you've been relegated, it's even harder to get back into the football league once you you drop down to to the non-league levels. So he kept that team there, and and just to think, like four seasons later, they're in the top flight. Um, I, I don't think looking at the way that things went with, with Bournemouth, I don't think the Burnley incident or the Burnley spell has affected them in any real negative way. Obviously, they did eventually be re- Bournemouth were eventually relegated, but I think that one season it, it was always going to be difficult for for them to maintain the the levels of consistency. But to getting a team like Bournemouth uh, to top ten in, in the English Premier League. I think you'd be hard fought to find a manager who could do that with the kind of resources and the budget that he had. Um, it speaks volumes to to him rather than anything else. I think. Yeah, he's definitely um, punching above his weight for for the vast majority of his time at Bournemouth. Uh, you mentioned the points deduction. I think the the other one that that I mentioned earlier was the fact that he managed to win League Two the following season with a transfer embargo in place at Bournemouth. I think they were going through financial troubles. I think at that stage, Eddie Howe said himself that he he realised that he couldn't just buy players to improve Bournemouth's situation. He had to coach the ones that he had there. And I think that's quite positive from a Celtic point of view, that this guy is a coach, first and foremost, that can make players better. That's what Brendan Rodgers did. The The sea change from Ronnie Dyla's Celtic to Brendan Rodgers' Celtic was huge. It was absolutely huge. We went from a team that you know, was getting beaten off lower league Rangers to a team that didn't lose a domestic game all season. And we did it in a matter of months. And we did it with Moussa Dembele, Scott Sinclair, and Cole Turi a wee bit. And I think, unless I'm missing anyone, those were the only real signings that we made, really, that made an impact at the club. The rest of it was done by improving players who had underperformed. Stuart Armstrong uh, had been a poor player under Ronnie Dyla, really turned into pretty much a world beater under Brendan Rodgers. Um, players like Boyata, you know, improved massively under Brendan Rodgers. Scott Brown, Callum McGregor improved massively under Brendan Rodgers. James Forrest is another one who Brendan Rodgers improved massively. And you hope that Eddie Howe is going to be able to do that with the likes of Barkas, Klamala, Ayeti, Ryan Christie, players who have underperformed this season. And other players like Greg Taylor and Ismaila Soro that certainly have a lot of improving to do. Um, so for me, that's the thing I'm most excited about. We have a manager here who is a coach. Everything you hear about Eddie Howe's training sessions is positive. The fella was on earlier in Sky Sports saying that the Eddie Howe's training sessions were just the best. Every day was different. Every session was different. And he's the best trainer slash coach that he's ever had in his career. David James, who was on as well, said that Eddie Howe was second only to Harry Redknapp, who he who he'd played under in his career. I mean, you consider that, you know, James and Redknapp, the relationship they have, Eddie Howe getting second is a pretty good achievement. So I'm just massively positive. You can probably tell that from the 35-odd minutes that I've spent gushing about Eddie Howe, and I'll genuinely be heartbroken if this doesn't come to pass. But I just think it's a it's an absolute game-changer for Celtic. If we get him in, I just think it will be absolutely huge. Um, a few other things, as we say, there's been loads in the media about who could come in with Eddie Howe. Uh, I think the the first thing that we got, I want to say the Daily Mail maybe reported that Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy could stay as part of that team with Eddie Howe. What's your thoughts on that, Paul? I'm a, I'm a big believer that a manager will have his 
his backroom staff and the coaches that he knows how to work with and stuff like that. Not to say that they can't adapt and work with other people, but I think I, I would be over. I would be pretty surprised if both of them stay and they're both w- within the first team squad. Um, I think there's a, a bigger chance of Kennedy hanging about than there is Strachan. I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not convinced Strachan's going to going to be there long term. Are you against Kennedy staying on? I'm not. I'm not over. I'm not against it because because Kennedy's been there through the the Lennon success and the the kind of failures, but he was also there through the Brendan Rodgers era and the the massive success. So Kennedy obviously has something to offer. And I think a new coach and a new system um, and a new belief will bring newfound kind of light and energy to, to John Kennedy. Uh, whether whether that's something that is holding up negotiations, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see when and if the announcement is made that what will follow in terms of backroom staff and whatever else is going on. I, I just, I think with the way that everything else is going with the club, with Peter Law leaving, and with the rumoured director of football, I think that most people would, would like to see new coaching staff alongside this, a new manager, a new first team coach or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's not a huge caveat for me that, that both of them have to go. I think they've been successful in their own rights, but it's, it's not, if, if we get Eddie Howe in, I honestly don't really, it's, it's not, it's, it's second, secondary who the coaching staff are to me. I think he's the man. Obviously, he'll bring a, a, a smart team with him and whether the, these two guys hang about as well, is it going to impact us overly? Uh, not for me, I don't think. At the risk of annoying Stevie from Kickpod, who I'm sure will be listening to this, I'm not against keeping John Kennedy around either. I get lambasted on uh, in the, the comments on YouTube for suggesting that Celtic need to have some sort of figure who knows Scottish football, because apparently it was backwards and uh, it shouldn't just be a Celtic person or a Scottish football person that gets the job. It should be the best person for the job. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is give Eddie Howe, get him in the club, give him who he wants in terms of who he wants Richard Hughes in as a as a sounding board or someone he's worked with in the past. I'm all for that. If he wants Jason Tindall in, which I think Celtic and Eddie Howe need to be moving heaven and earth to get Jason Tindall by his side because he's worked with Eddie Howe. The pair have worked together in every job they've had so far. All those years at Bournemouth, they played together and also the, the two-year spell at, at Burnley. I think we have to be doing everything to get him to the club. If he doesn't want to come to the club, if he thinks he's now a manager and doesn't want to go back to being a number two, fair enough. But I think we need to do our best to, to, to get him into the club. But the point I was going to make, John Kennedy knows Scottish football and he knows Celtic. And I think it's important we have some sort of carry-on from the previous regime in that regard. He was there when Brendan Rodgers was there and I assume that he would have given a lot of Scottish football knowledge on teams to Brendan Rodgers. Now, it doesn't have to be John Kennedy. Peter Grant's been mentioned, um, whether he'd leave Aloha manager to, to be a Celtic assistant, possibly would, possibly wouldn't. Marvin Bartley's been mentioned as well, whether he would finish his playing career at Livingston now at, I think, 34, whatever he is, to become a coach. Again, I'm unsure. But if the Scottish football knowledge comes from one of them, that's fine. But I think we need it from somewhere. You look across the city and when Stephen Gerrard came in, 
he spoke openly about the fact that his Scottish football knowledge wasn't great, but it came from Gary McAllister. So I think we need something similar. If it's Kennedy, that's fine. If it's Bartley, if it's Grant, that's also fine. I'm not fussed either way in Kennedy, whether he stays or goes, but I think we need that Scottish football knowledge there. People may think that's backwards, but that's what I think. Gavin Strachan, I kind of I just feel it's reached the stage with him where it's almost past the point of no return. I, I don't know if his reputation can really be salvaged. I don't see what he's got to gain. Um, I think the, the dream for me, if you're asking me what Celtic look like, Dominic Mackay, Dominic Mackay, director of football, Dominic Mackay, chief executive, you've got Fergal Harkin, or even David Webb, who knows Eddie Howe, as a director of football. You've, you've then got um, Richard Hughes as recruitment director. You've then got Eddie Howe as manager, and next to Eddie Howe, you've got um, Jason Tindall, John Kennedy, uh, and maybe one more from somewhere as well. For me, that's the ideal scenario. If it's Eddie Howe coming in and he's next to Gavin Strachan and John Kennedy, I don't know if that looks great. The way that things have been moving forward points more and more to that happening. Like I, I think we're, we're all under no illusions that, obviously we mentioned at the very start, that, that it's going to be Eddie Howe. Um, Dominic Mackay, as we've, we'll probably just mention briefly, is now coming in a lot earlier than planned, which I think is a positive move. I think anybody looking at it can see that that's a positive move and it means that, the, that things are getting done a lot earlier than, than we'd probably hope. But it's probably as, as, kinda, as early as, as we we imagined, we dreamed about um, when we first mentioned him a, a, few, a few months ago. And then the director of football is that one grey area. It's that one, one role that we don't know about. I think the the other ones and you you mentioned there you mentioned Hughes and and the assistant manager and stuff like that they they are they're probably lower down the pecking order I think director of football that's done send the dotted line ticked and drop forward we get the manager in we get the director of football in and I think everything else from there just kind of slots in like a like a jigsaw it's is is something that that the three guys will have to kind of do together to make sure that. They have the the best team that they want to have, and it's going to be a new look Celtic hierarchy, and I think it's going to be one for the twenty first century eventually, and one that we'll be looking forward to to not just kind of doing the same old stuff that it's always been done. It's taken us up and forward. It's taken us to a new level. I know that we've just off the back of winning four trebles in a row, but we're looking to push on from that. We're looking to to dominate again. We're looking to to win games. We're looking to play really good football. You're looking to sell season tickets in the thousands. You're looking to progress in Europe, get back into the Champions League, win trophies stylishly and have a young, energetic, hungry and pretty pretty smart team leading that way. And I think with the, the names that have been mentioned so far, there's nothing to say that that won't happen. You're never going to appease everyone with a managerial appointment. For everyone who's in favour of Eddie Howe, you're going to have another person who would prefer Roy Keane or Henrik Larsson or, or someone like that. For every person who wants Eddie Howe, you'll have someone who would rather a Celtic-minded person or a, an Irish person. That's just the way things are. But I think Eddie Howe's about as universally popular an appointment as Celtic could have got from anywhere. Maybe, maybe only Jesse Marsh. Um, other than the unrealistic Guardiola's and Klopp's of this world would have been a more popular appointment. Uh, and I think that, that counts for a lot. When Brendan Rodgers came in, he had everyone singing his name within 
days. He had the the support of the Celtic support, and I think Eddie Howe will have the same. I think it's exciting times ahead. Um, interesting that he doesn't seem like he's going to come in until the start of next season. We can probably have a, a debate about that further down the line, um, especially when we've got a, a meaningful derby coming up against Rangers in the Scottish Cup. While we've been recording, they've announced when that game's going to be played, and it's quite interesting. It's the Saturday the 17th of April, and while you would normally look for a kickoff to be about half 12 or 1 o'clock for one of these games, they've gone for a 4pm kickoff for Rangers v Celtic, uh, Saturday 17th of April. Reason for that probably... There's, it's there's, the, the week before the pub's open. Very interesting. Um, would it have been a an earlier kickoff had fans been at the game? I certainly think so. Would it even have been an earlier kickoff had people been able to go to the pubs? I think so, but it's going to be weird. It's certainly the, the latest kickoff in a weekend for one of these games that we've had probably since the, the shame game back in whenever it was, late 90s, um, when I was probably not even born at that stage, Paul. So we're looking forward to that. We'll have a big preview to that um, when we do our next podcast. Hopefully John will, will join us then with his new new mic, maybe even you and two. Is there anything else, Paul, you, you want to touch on? Any any conclusions? Any, anything you want to say to the, the people? No, I think um once I th- I think patience is is one thing that a lot of people are kind of running out of. And I think the the silence and the kind of lack of updates is a good thing. I think the more we we kind of get on on unsettled and, and kind of wrestling about this the, the fact that folk will start howling about things that, that might happen but I think the club are working they're, they're doing what they, they we've, we've all wanted them to do that's the thing we, we've all wanted this to move in a way that we would get the person or people in that would change the kind of the way of, of thinking and if you go back four or five episodes you'll listen to us hoping and dreaming for this this scenario and it seems to be playing out pretty pretty perfectly so just patience when the announcement comes we'll, we'll, we'll obviously dissect that but I think good news is is very much around the corner well this podcast will probably go down in folklore for for either the reason that it's been exceptionally good listening which I doubt or that it ages absolutely horrifically when Eddie Howe isn't the new Celtic manager we'll probably just have to drop it into the the recycling bin from um, our various podcast apps. But, Paul, it's been a pleasure. Nonetheless, um, I know you're on holiday for the foreseeable, so I'll let you get back to doing probably very little and let you enjoy it, and I'll get back to doing some work. Remember, everyone, we are on Twitter at GrandOldPod, old spell A-U. So give us a follow there if you've not done it yet. Tweet us. It's not me on it, it's John, but he does like to reply to you from time to time. And yeah, we'll speak to you very soon. Take care, everyone, and how, how. Hold up. 